May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we all need to hear. Some of us spend a lot of time waiting on other people, waiting for other people maybe to get ready, or maybe we're at the other end. Maybe you're the one who's never on time, and your people are nagging you to hurry up. For parents, it just feels like life is one big, long cycle of hurry up and wait. A dad posted this on Twitter. He said, what I say, be ready, we're leaving in five minutes. What my child hears, get undressed, start finger painting, and lose at least one of your shoes. Kids can be forgiven for not understanding the concept of get ready. But it's a little harder to laugh it off when it happens to us adults. Actor Chester Gregory says that he had insomnia a few years ago. One night during a big show, he fell asleep in his dressing room. He woke up to the sound of backstage staff paging him overhead to get out to the stage. He rushed on stage just in time. He said that that experience cured him forever of insomnia, and he never fell asleep on the job again. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples to carry on the work after he dies. He's been trying to warn them about this for quite some time now, but they just don't seem to get it. It's kind of like that dad's tweet about what I say versus what you hear. The whole chapter of Luke 12 could be called, Wake Up, Get Ready. And its message is just as relevant for us today as it was for those disciples that Jesus was talking to those 2,000 plus years ago. Last week, Pastor Kay talked about a foolish perspective on our lives. Based on what the Bible says about foolishness, we can say a fool is somebody who lives only for the moment and only for themselves. It's very foolish behavior. In today's reading, Jesus is focusing on the future that God has planned for each of us. The main message is in the verse, first verse of the reading. And I think if you and I really believed what this first verse says, that it could very, very well change how we live our lives. It would change how we see the future. It would change some of our priorities. It would also give us courage. Before we read verse 32, let's put it in context. Jesus' ministry has become very popular. So popular that he and his disciples are being followed by a crowd of many thousands of people the scriptures say. The crowd is so rowdy that they're trampling each other. And this might be the perfect time, I think, I would think, if I were Jesus, to perform a miracle or to just put out one of those really great fire-breathing sermons that really speak to people. Anything to wow them and show them who I am. But Jesus knows two things. 
that his disciples don't know that day. Number one is that popularity with people does not necessarily mean success in God's eyes. You know what does? Obedience. And number two, he also knows that he's on the way, on his way to the cross. That he's going to Jerusalem where he will be crucified. So instead of impressing the crowd, Jesus talks to his followers, his disciples. And our lesson begins with these words in verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now listen, because I'm going to say it again. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus knows that after his arrest, after his his death, his disciples will become enemies of the government. They will become enemies of the religious higher-ups. Their lives will be in danger. They will spend the rest of their lives being persecuted, some being beaten, spending time in prison, and some will be, most of them, will end up being martyrs and will be killed for their faith as they spread Jesus' message. If they're going to get through all this, they need to look through the future through Jesus' eyes. Jesus knows that this is true. Imagine that just for one day, we could see our future through the eyes of Jesus. What would be different about it? What questions might be answered? One thing we know for sure, if we see our future through Jesus' eyes, we will not be afraid. There's a funny story about a computer glitch that affected a sports betting website in Australia. Some customers got on this website and discovered that the site was actually letting fans place bets on horse races that had already happened. What happens is if if you place a bet on a horse race and you know who's already won, what happens? You win. So these people placed their bets and they won some money. Most of them placed small bets didn't want to be conspicuous. But one man, there's always got to be that one, he placed a big enough bet that the website owners noticed. What a temptation. He couldn't lose. He already knew how the races were going to turn out. So he had no fear of risking his money. Jesus is telling his disciples here, listen, you guys and girls, I already know the end of the story. I know the result of your race. So don't be afraid, little flock. Your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. If we were to read through the Bible from Genesis, the first book, all the way through Revelation, the last, we would see that almost every encounter with God, an angel of God, or Jesus, begins with these words. Don't be afraid. That seems to be God's favorite greeting. Don't be afraid. 
Jesus tells them that God is their father and they are heirs to the riches of God's kingdom, the riches of peace with God, eternal life, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's their treasure that will never wear out or fail or run out. And it's our treasure too. If we really believe this, it will change our lives. So that's the first thing Jesus is teaching us in this reading. If we could see our future through his eyes, we would not be afraid. We would never live in fear. Second thing that Jesus is teaching us in this passage is to let go of things that control us. He says, sell your possessions and give them to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief that comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I believe Jesus meant these words two ways, literally and figuratively. God cares passionately about the poor and the needy. You can't read through the Bible and miss this. It's impossible. You see it everywhere. So giving what we have to provide to the needy has to happen in our lives. And we do that here. And we do plenty of it. But Jesus came to set us free from the burdens and the fears of this life. Since we've been set free, we're able to focus our energy on doing what I was talking to the kids about, creating God's kingdom here on earth. Listen to these words. Your Father has already given you the kingdom. You have a treasure in heaven that will never fail. So why are our hearts sometimes still tied so strongly to the unimportant things, the things of this world? In David Getz's book called Death by Suburb, How to Keep the Suburbs from Killing Your Soul, he says that chasing after immortality symbols distracts us from living as followers of Jesus. We get so tied to status and comfort and achievement. We find our identity in our jobs. We find our self-worth in our paycheck or our stuff that we collect. We spend our lives building up and protecting our own comfortable, safe little life. And we forget about our calling to follow Jesus as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. There's an old story about a court jester who was once given a wand. He was given this wand by the king that he served. And the king said, keep this until you find a greater fool than you are and give it to him. The jester put the wand away and kept it for many years. One day the king lay dying and as he was dying he called the jester to his side and he said, I am going on a long journey. The jester said, you are? And he said, yes. He said, where to? I don't know. The jester said, how long? I don't know, forever probably. 
And he said, what provisions have you made for this journey? None. Well, the jester said, take this. And he handed him the wand. Because you are a greater fool than I am. Who's the greater fool? The one who focuses his life on collecting and protecting his or her stuff that will wear out, that will fall apart. And even if it doesn't, you won't take it with you. Or the one who spends his or her life sharing with others the work of creating the kingdom of God here on earth. And how do we create the kingdom of God on earth? The last part of our reading tells us, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return home from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. That's how we create a kingdom of God on earth, by doing the things that we know Jesus would have us to do and being ready when our time comes. The last thing Jesus is teaching us in this reading is that our service to others makes us ready to serve him when he comes again. When we serve the people around us with love and kindness and generosity, we are serving Jesus. He said that in those words. You serve the least of these, you serve me. We are living out God's purpose, the reason that God made us. We find ourselves, our identity, we find our joy in caring for other people just as Jesus cared for them. A man named Ron told the story of how God woke him up from a life that was meaningless and it was out of control. He began using alcohol as a young kid and then he moved on to methamphetamines and he drifted along with no purpose in life. His addiction caused him to lose custody of his daughter, cost him his marriage, everything. Then in 2012, he was in a very bad accident. He should have died in that accident, but he didn't. Somehow he survived. This accident made him question why God would spare his life. So he went and he checked himself into a hospital psychiatric ward once he was better. And from there he looked for help at a place called Hope Ministries in Des Moines, Iowa. Hope Ministries provides shelter and recovery service for people who are struggling with substance abuse. And at first, Ron just wanted a place to stay and people to be around. He wasn't sure he was really ready yet to deal with his addictions, but the prayers and support that he got from the people at Hope Ministries made him rethink his path in life. And he said, quote, I look back at my life and all the choices I'd made, the holes in my soul that I tried to fill through my addictions. I surrendered my life to God, and that's the one choice that has changed my entire life. He entered the recovery program. He reconnected with his daughter. He got a job, and with his commitment to following Jesus and the support of his new friends, he rebuilt his life, and he graduated from their program in July of 2020. 
He is now helping others the same way he was helped. His life goal is now to love and serve other people. He says, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. Serve others and show them there is hope in this world and there is love that truly exists. Many years ago, Mother Teresa met with Dr. Robert Schuller, quite a pairing, I'd say. Dr. Schuller was the pastor of the Crystal Cathedral in California, if you remember. And he was in awe of Mother Teresa's ministries, the things she was doing for the poor in Calcutta. She had devoted her life to serving the neediest, most destitute people in Calcutta and helped start ministries all around the world. And so he asked Mother Teresa for some words of wisdom for his ministry. He was so moved by what she said that he had those words engraved on a plaque and he hung it in his office wall. Mother Teresa told him this, be all and only for Jesus. Let him use you without consulting you first. Be all and only for Jesus. Let him use you without consulting you first. That's what it means to be dressed, ready for service. What would we have to change in our lives to make us ready for service? What fears would we have to overcome? What priorities would we have to change? What would God do through us if we just let God do it without consulting us first? It's a good question, and it's a scary question. Jesus knew that he would be, that it would be scary. So remember his words that are as true for us today as they were 2,000 years ago. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Remember these words. Amen.